I'm getting a little feedback, but my audio is bad. Um, does it sound any better? Let me see if I get a thumbs up so that it actually does. Uh, it's a little better. Not sure what happened. A little better. Uh, that's better. Okay, now it's good. Okay, so let's start again. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Her Many Voices Foundation Indigenomics. Okay, this is the fifth, the fourth week out of a series of 11. And so we are going to be tackling debt management. Okay, and we're going to start with recapping what we did briefly up until now. Okay, we've had wonderful weeks of learning the seven laws of the universe. You master those laws and you will master your life. And since we're discussing financial literacy, we need to master these laws to achieve the goals we set for our financial future. The second week we discussed the financial foundation and that's basically the rules of the game. Now I spoke about the money game being a team sport, not an individual sport, which requires several team members coming together for one goal to make sure you win the championship. And what do we mean by championship? Your retirement whatever that means for you, okay? If it actually means retiring altogether or working but enjoying more of life. But the goal is at some point, we will need to slow down a bit and we need the income waiting for when that happens. That was the second week. And in the financial foundation, we talked about a few things, okay? Exactly. You can look at it as our Olympics and we all, are going to end up with the gold if we do things right. We have to know the rules. And that's what last, that's what the second week was about, discussing the actual rules, such as Rule 72, the four cornerstones, how money grows, how many different ways does it grow, okay? How does it get taxed? That's what we discussed the second week. And last week, we discussed creating a budget what it's going to create, what it's going to take to create that cash flow, okay? And today, we're going to discuss debt management. Now, since we talked about a team, okay, you are team captain, and let's take a particular game, a sport, to use as we go through this analogy. And the sport that I choose is football, American football, okay? I know we might be catching folks around the world, but we're going to talk mostly when I make the analogy is going to be based on American football, where there's a quarterback, there are defensive players, offensive players. And we know the goal is to move the ball across the field to the end zone, the finish line, the goal line, right? And you are the team captain, the quarterback. Your goal is to make the money. And your team's role is to make sure they protect you and that money, make sure that money is growing, growing, going through the field, across the field to the goal line, right? So that is the goal. And so your main purpose on that team, besides leading them, is you have three main things that you need to do well, okay? You need to create that, that budget, that cash flow. You need to create um, how you can track your income, okay? That is the first thing you have to do, your income tracker. You need to create uh, a sound plan when it comes to debt management. So that's your responsibility. And that's why last week and this week, you have to focus on what is being taught because that's what you can do with your money. No one can come into the house to see if you are going to how you save your money or how you spend it, 
That is your decision. You have to be disciplined to do that. Okay. So that's why you have to understand this session specifically, because I want you to see the debt collector, the using uh, the tools to debt management is going to be key to your success. And if we're going to take the analogy of the football game, I want you to see this. You've seen, most of us have seen a football game before, an American football game. And we've seen the ball passed on to a receiver or whoever, and they're running down the field. But there is one player holding on to their ankle. And while he's holding on to that ankle, he is the other one who's running with the ball is dragging him across the field. Now, we know that's not going to last long. We always hope it can go a little longer. And depending on the athlete, he may be able to drag that debt collector a little ways. But eventually, the debt collector will have him. That's that. That's who the debt collector is in the whole analogy of the football game. They are that player that holds onto your ankle and will not let go until they bring you down. Okay, so if you don't learn how to shake that debt collector off and keep on running, you may never get to where you want to go. So now that we understand exactly who the debt collector is in the game, let's begin by seeing exactly how we're going to deal with the debt collector, okay? The income tracker, which is the first one um, that we were looking at, is this. We can look at this, uh, this slide here and know that it's coming back again. We talked a little bit about this last time, and that's because, again, that is what you do at all times, every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year, in every single decade, you have to constantly keep track of your income and your expenses. So this is really a way to just recap a little bit about what you have to do. Because before you can really understand how to manage those debts, you have to understand your overall picture when it comes to income and what you're spending and how much you're keeping in your portfolio, in your accounts versus how much you're paying off. Okay, so this is just a quick recap. Choose this form. I showed you a few forms last week that you could use, but this is simple. Some months have four weeks, some have five. This form shows you five weeks. Depending on the week of the month, you begin to track those expenses or those income, wherever they're coming from, okay? So that you can have an idea of exactly what you're bringing in. And then we talked about how you track what it is that you're spending. Okay. So use this income tracker every step of the way. Okay. Keep track of it. And then you'll see what you do at the end. So now let's move on to the next one, because now that we know exactly what our role is when it comes to, um, there we go. We're going to find it. It's coming up. There it is. Start reducing your debt by making a debt action plan. Okay. First, there is a slide before that that I wanted to really see. It's the reduced, reducing debt worksheet. It's right after. There we go. We just passed it. Um, it's right after this one. There it is. Reducing debt. Wow. You know technology. It's going to happen. And this is how it goes. But let me say again, we're going to be reducing debt. To begin, there are two ways, two methods to reducing your debt. Okay. One method is using the high interest rate method. And the other one is the snowball method. Okay. Now the high interest rate method, which you see in front of you simply says we focus, okay, on the bills, the debts that we have with the highest interest rates. Okay. So that we can eliminate those quickly first and foremost. Why is that? necessary? Why is that the best way? If you can afford to do that, it's because of rule 72. When we spoke about the rules of the game, and we talked about rule 72, we talked about rule 72 being the quickest way to determine how quickly your money is doubling based on the interest rate you are receiving for a particular savings account, right? That's the, that's rule 72. Rule 72 divided by the interest rate, whatever that number comes out to be, if it's 1%, 72 divided by 1 is 72. That means it would take 72 years for your money to double. Okay? Now, how do you use that same formula when deciding exactly how much is your debt 
accumulating? Well, most of us have uh, credit cards with very high interest on them, okay? I'll take one. I've seen actually one for 37% interest. I hope we never end up accepting one of those credit for 37% interest. Because if they're not giving you 37% interest on your money saved, then, you know, I'm not going to accept you giving that to me on the money that I borrowed. Why is that? Because here's my calculator, right? 72 divide by 37. That's the percent. That gives me 1.9, almost two years, which means that if you own, if you have a credit card with $2,000 credit limit and it's to the max, Every two years, if it's earning 37% interest for the creditor, every two years, that $2,000 is doubling. So if you haven't paid it up in the first two years, that $2,000 has just turned into a $4,000 debt. If you haven't paid it again in the next two years, that $4,000 debt has now doubled to $8,000. Rule 72 works both ways. It works for you when you're saving money and it works for them when they're charging you interest for your money. Okay. So, which is why the high interest rate method is the, the one that I suggest we focus on when we're trying to reduce our debt, because you got to eliminate the ones with the highest interest rate. Remember, we talked about listing these debts last week, knowing exactly what they are. You list them. There's a form that's going to be pulled up where you're going to see exactly how you can track it. Once you know which credit card is charging you the highest interest rate and you know exactly how quickly that creditor is going to be making money off of you, double the money, then you can determine if that's the way to go. If you're going to start eliminating that as the first option, that's the highest, that's the highest interest rate method. Now there are pros and cons to every method, to both methods. The pros says it here is that you're going to eliminate the most costly debt first. As we just described, you don't want that $2,000 to become $10,000 in short years because you didn't focus on eliminating it. Now, what is the con to that method? Well, you're not going to feel like you're doing much when you're focusing on trying to eliminate a debt that's very big. It's just not going to feel like you're getting anywhere, but you are. So that's the con. You don't see it immediately that you're working towards something because the debt was so big. But the pros is you're going to eliminate the biggest one first. The con is you're not going to realize that you're doing anything until you've actually eliminated the debt. So that's the first method to reducing debt. The second method to reducing debt is the snowball method. Okay, the snowball method has its pros and cons as well. But the definition of the snowball method is that you list your bills once again, and you figure out which ones are the cheapest, the most inexpensive bill that you have on that list, okay? Um, and don't get confused with, when you're dealing with debts, don't get confused with um, a phone bill as a debt, because that's not quite a debt. What becomes a debt in the phone bill, we are, the snowball method is the is the page that we're on. It's going to pull up in the meantime, but we can have this conversation until that happens, okay? Reducing your debt by way of snowballing is that you are focusing on your most inexpensive. And like I was saying, your phone bill is not, is not a debt unless you have past due balances that are carrying over. And today, I don't think many of these... Um, what do you call them? Um, providers, <clears throat> excuse me, providers actually allow you to really carry too much of your past debt, your past into the next one. But that's what could be considered a debt. But the monthly bill is not a debt. Okay. So that's not it. But you know which ones are the debts. Those are the ones that you may, might be a refrigerator that you purchase on credit. It might be a car that you purchased, right? Those things that you have to pay a, a specific amount every month and you don't ever know when it's going to end. Okay. So if you find that you have listed all your bills, the one that's least expensive, the one that's going to take only 20, 30, $40 to pay monthly, you focus on that first. You make sure you eliminate that debt completely with your consistent payments. Usually it has to be a little bit more than the minimum required, right? 
So once you figure out whatever can fit your budget, but you're focusing on eliminating the most inexpensive bill that you have, the most inexpensive debt that you have, once you've com completely eliminated that debt, that same $40, $50, $60 that you were putting towards that debt that no longer exists, now you move that $60 to the next least expensive, okay? The one that doesn't cost as much. And you keep moving up the ladder using this method, okay? Now the next bill, not only were you already paying a certain minimum on that bill, but that $60, that $40, whatever it was that you were paying the first debt that you've eliminated, that gets added to the next amount, increasing your minimum payment, allowing you to get rid of that as well, as quickly as possible. Now that's the snowball method. What is the pros to that? Well, you may see progress very quickly because once you could say, I've eliminated two credit cards, I only got three to go. I only have one more of this. I have one more of that. I've already gotten rid of two, three, four, five. Okay, that's the benefit of using the snowball method. You can see very quickly how much you have gained, how much you have progress using this method. Now, the con to this method is that you may pay more in total because that high interest one that's waiting for you at the top, because typically the ones with the most amount, the one that's costing you a lot more money to pay on a monthly basis, typically have higher interest. You may, may not. Okay. That's why you are the captain of your team. Okay. You can decide where that fits and what do you want to do. No one else can tell you which way is better. No one else can tell you which account you should focus on first. That is your decision. But that's the decision that you must make consistently and you have to be good at it because that's the part you play on the team. You make the money, you follow the budget that you've created for yourself, you track your expenses to make sure that you're not spending more than you're bringing in, and then you try to, to get control of those debts, especially those unsecured debts, the ones that allowing you to acquire a lot of How you're moving across the plane. I'm not sure, but I'm doing, I'm getting a little signal again that the sound is going a bit. Is that the case? Let me see if I see anything that you're not hearing me or you're back on track and you're able to see a lot of And if you are, let's go to the next slide that talks about reducing your debt Okay, if the sound is coming out properly. Sounds like I'm underwater. I wonder where that is. What's uh, that? Let's see. Let's see. You know, I'm so glad you everyone is patient because you know that when it comes to technology, go to the next slide. When it comes to technology, we don't have any control with it. We just have to figure out how to best work it. Better sounds. Okay. We're just going to hope someone keeps me aware as to when the sound is going in and out and I'll do my best to make, you know, to make some changes, but for now let's continue. Okay. So we talked about the snowball method and the high interest rate method. Those are the two ways you can decide to eliminate debts. And that's your decision. You make it based on what you have in front of you once you've listed everything down. Okay. So you start with creating a debt action plan. Those are the two ways I've just mentioned smallest debt first or pay the highest interest first. When you look at the very bottom, it describes again what the description of these methods are and then the pros and cons. And at the very bottom, you can begin to list the debts that you want. There's only three, three listed here, but I know most of us have a whole host of debts that we have to account for. So if you need to put 10 rows, 10 lines on this, uh, on this debt action plan, do so. Okay. What is the debt and how much it is? The other one, what is the debt and how much is the interest rate? Okay. Do that first. And then you can really see which one you are going to be able to tackle first or which method is going to work best for you. Okay. So now after doing the high interest 
we got to go into the debt log. Okay, the debt log again. Now you might find these things to be a little tedious. And that's why most of us drop the ball when we are not, you know, when we are not winning the game is because we think these tedious uh, moves that we have to make, we have to do with the money that comes into our hands is like, it's not worth it, but that's all it takes. It takes a little bit of time on a daily basis, weekly basis, or monthly basis of you tracking these expenses. And so this debt log is the other form that you could use to actually begin to see exactly which one you're going to tackle first. Okay. We have on it auto loan. We have back, back child support, credit card debts. We have medical debts. We have mortgages. We have uh, payday loans. We have student loans. Everyone has their burdens. And so you are the one who's going to have to, un to list which burdens you are responsible for. But this is the form to use. You list the burdens. You list the accounts. You list the payment that is due each month for these accounts. You, you, you list the payment. Is it up to date or not? Are you behind in your, in your payments? You add up all of these things, the interest rates. You know, what date do you see finishing paying these debts based on your schedule? You have to see it in front of you because if you do not and you're keeping it all in your head, you're going to miss something. Okay. That's why these forms, these tools are going to come in very handy when you are ready to begin to play the game like it should be played. Okay. Knowing the rules and knowing what your role is, is going to get you to that finish line with that MVP award. Okay. Cause you can get to the finish line, but does, don't quite cross over that finish line. We've seen it. Okay. And it has hurt when we've been watching that game and we see that just get short of going across that finish line. Okay. So that's where it starts. It starts with you getting control of your assets, eliminating those debts as soon as possible, you know, shaking that player that's holding on to your ankles as you try to grow your money safely towards retirement and they're there holding on. So you have to control it. And this is the form that you use to do that. Okay, so now after you've done that and you take your time, okay, don't rush, all right? You have control over this. After you've done that, let's go to the next slide. We'll go look at some resources, okay, which is now you're ready for these debt collectors who's going to come knocking. They're calling, okay? They're sending letters. They're calling you like, hey, Tammy, you know, like, hey, what's, and then you realize it's a debt collector, okay? <laughs> They got all kinds of tricks to understand, to fool you into thinking that they are friends and they're here to help. But that's okay. All right. That's part of the money game. So learn how to deal with these creditors when they do call you. On this, on this slide here, you have a few links that you can go to. As you know, you can always review the sessions at your leisure and this information will be there for you. Now, you have some you have any questions about debt collection whatsoever, you know, we all live in different states. Sometimes the state matters, okay, in terms of what the rules are, the regulations are. So you can't go from, you can't take advice necessarily from someone who lives in a different state from you if you don't know if those rules are the same, okay? So these are going to go take you directly to the state that you want information from. So there they are. If you have an issue with a debt collector, debt collection, there's a link there that you can go into to file that. And I'm going to show you that form as we go through the sessions, as we go through this particular uh, uh, presentation. You need help finding a credit counselor. You can do use this link as well to get to that information. And if you need an attorney to represent you when the time comes to step up in court to refuse to, um, to argue a particular uh, debt, you may need a lawyer to do that. You may need that attorney. And here, again, you see it here. You can visit these particular links to get the information that you're looking for. Okay. Now, how do you respond? You have to know your rights. Next slide. Okay. Once you respond, once you begin the conversation with a creditor, okay, you have to first know what they're able to do and what they're not able to do. 
debt, debt collectors, there are certain things they cannot do, okay? They cannot call repeatedly to harass or abuse you, okay? They cannot use obscene language when they call. They cannot make a false or misleading statement about what you owe. They're good for that, okay? They cannot publish your name for not paying a debt, and they cannot lie to you. Now, I'm sure some of us have had that phone call where that person was sounding like they knew you, like they were friends, like they could speak to you in any kind of way. You make sure you keep your calm, okay? You cannot play it the way they are. They will try to agitate you, but you keep calm, you keep confident. You have certain questions that you need to ask them, okay? You need to verify if the debt that they are claiming belongs to you actually belongs to you. Okay. And then you will find out as we go on, how can you dispute the ones that you don't, that you believe are not yours. Okay. And what you do in the process of disputing a particular debt with a debt collector. So know your rights. Okay. These are pretty much generic. And I don't care which state you live in. Okay. These are the things that a debt collector cannot do. Okay. So that's not going to change, but now Let's move on and see exactly what you can't ignore, okay? Once you've gotten this information, you've, you know, you've answered that phone and they're telling you and you've already accepted the call to say that, yes, this is you, and they have a, a, a prior debt that they want to resolve. And you need to understand a few things before you start giving them every bit of information, Okay. The collector's name and address. Normally, the one who is calling you is not the collector, is not the one you actually owe the debt to. Now, we're talking about debt collectors. Usually, when it gets to this point, the one you owe the money to is no longer in the picture. You're dealing with an agency who's responsible to collect the debt for this you know, business. Okay. So, but you need to know exactly who is the debt from. You know, the name of the company who's on the phone is not the name that you remember. I owed money to Sprint. Sprint is not the one on the phone with me. So if it's a Sprint bill, I need to have the I need to have the information concerning that bill. I need to have the actual original creditor's name and address. OK, because people tend to pass this crediting bill to other agencies to collect. So by the time the agency calls you in reference to a particular bill, it may have gone through four or five different collectors agencies so that you don't even know who this bill is from. Is, it, is there any validity to it? But you can find that out. And that's what they owe you. They have to give you the name of the creditor and the address. They have to give you the account number, the original account number that you had with that credit. With, with that debt. They have to say exactly how much money do you owe? And when that account became delinquent, how much was it then? Because you know, they're adding interest. Every step of the day, that interest, that rule 72 is why that debt is doubling. Okay. So you need to know exactly how much the amount was before it became delinquent and how much it you actually owe. The next one, when collectors obtained the debt in the initial amount, when exactly did they actually receive this notice that you owe this money? Because some of it may be far too, you know, in the back for them to actually be liable or be responsible to collect this money. You could have been years ago since you actually had this debt. And there are time limits that will determine if the debt is still valid or not. So you need to know exactly when this debt was obtained by this agency before you start that. And those are questions that you have to ask before you give them any information on you. Okay. You do not owe them anything. If they're saying this is your debt, well, you should have all this information ready for me to take down and let me verify. Let me see. You're not admitting to anything. You're not claiming that this is yours. You need to see if they have everything in order before you start saying what you want to do about it. Okay. Proving you are requiring to pay. Where is the paperwork that says that this debt is still on the books? Again, you have agencies collecting money that has been written off already. Okay. So show me the letter that says that this is still a valid debt that I am responsible for because there are statute of limitation on debts. 
Okay. This is the information that they are going to give you. Okay. A copy of that very last bill. Okay. Let me see. Send me a copy with emails. You might be able to email it to me, send it to me, you know, by, by post office. It doesn't matter, but these are the things that you need. Okay. To be able to say, or to say if this debt in this agency is doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. No matter what the debt collectors say, you do not have to give them any sensitive information. You do not have to give them your social security number. You do not have to give them your bank account number under no circumstances. Under any circumstances, do you do that? Okay. They may pressure you. They may make you feel that you must. It is part of the law. BS, it is not. Do not give those sensitive information out to anybody over the phone until you have figured out where you stand with this debt. Keep everything, the name of the individual you spoke with, okay? Figure out, you know, what time that you call, the date. Those are the things that you have to do. Do not take those lightly because that's how you're going to be able to prove your case when the time comes. If you are faced with a judgment, this is the information that they are expecting you to have to show that you've made every attempt to figure out if this debt was yours. And if it was, you've made every attempt to come up with an agreement, but you have to show these, these facts. You have to tell them when did you speak to someone and who was the person you spoke with, okay? Those, that's what you can do. And if the debt is not legitimate, once they can't answer these questions, now you need to get on, your, on the ball. You need to figure out how to reach out to this individual because they should be able to give you some information, okay, to be able to figure out if they can remove this information completely from your records. And there are forms that they can use to do that. Don't let them tell you that they can't. Once you've come across a credit, excuse me, a debt that you are no longer responsible for, but it is still showing up, you need to have them remove it and they can, okay? That form is called a P4D form. Okay, pay for delete. It's a simple form that they have to you fill out that they are required to remove it from your credit. Okay, that's if it's not legit. But if the debt is legit, now you have to start doing some negotiations. Okay, you have to start creating that relationship, which is why it's never good to go to their level in case the debt proves to be yours. You don't need any animosity because you responded to them in a, you know, you were rude the way they were to you. If they are rude, you can simply hang up. They'll call again, but do not stoop to their level. Do not create that bad relationship because you may need to come back to them to discuss exactly how you're going to get rid of this debt. Now that you've proven, now that they've proven that the debt is yours. Okay. So you have to, the uh, debt is legitimate. Don't despair. Try to settle the debt for a smaller amount. Now we've all learned how to do that, right? We've all learned how to, okay, you say I owe $2,000 or sometimes we don't even have to try. They send us a letter saying that if you can pay this amount in one lump sum, then we are going to forego the balance. Usually it's a discounted price. You could owe $2,000. They're willing to accept $700 from you. Okay. Sometimes that letter comes to you. You don't even have to be the one to begin that negotiations. But if you don't get that letter and you're ready to start negotiating the settlement of this, of this debt, then that's what you do. You offer them a lump sum amount, but do not start with your best offer. Okay. First, you may decide to hear what they will say. Well, I'm trying to get rid of this debt in one lump sum. What can I offer you to get rid of the debt? And if they say a number that you're comfortable with, that you think is a good number, you go for it. For the most, they're not usually going to offer you the best option first. Okay. So now you start throwing numbers at them as to what you can do, but don't give them your best offer at the, at, at the start. Okay. You have to wait to see. You got to negotiate. This is the game. Okay. You got to go back and forth a little bit until they come down to something that you can work with. Okay. And so that's where you stand with this collections. You have to do that. What else is there? Or negotiate a payment plan that will give you more time to pay your debt. You know, that's the way it goes. If you can't agree to a lump sum amount, then now you negotiate what you can do 
and it's going to be stretched out over time and you're going to be comfortable with everything. They can work with you. Okay. They would always work with you, but you have to know exactly what you're able to do and how you're going to be able to honor that arrangement once you start it. Okay. Because those are the things that can complicate a, 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 an arrangement like this if you're not honoring your side of it after they've worked details with you. But those are the things that you can do. First, prove that the debt belongs to you. And then now start negotiating. Put that first foot forward, your best foot forward to see exactly how you can bring that down because it's not really that debt that you owe. So now, after you know your rights, you don't ignore it, the credit report dispute form, okay? Now, we all have credit score. We know it. We may know it off the top of our hand. We can look at the next slide because the next slide is the one that you can fill out, okay? If one of these debts that you receive is not yours, it's as simple as this. There's not more to it. There's not less. It's just your name, your address, and if the account number that they've given you, okay, you don't even remember it, but you want more information. You want to understand exactly, or you realize that it's not your debt. They gave you everything you asked for. They told you when, who the creditor is. They told you, you know, how much you owed at the time that he went into delinquency. They told you, you know, all the things you've asked for. They gave you that information, but you're still saying this is not mine because that's out there. You will find that's an occasion Something is listed under your name and it's really not yours. Not today, not yesterday. It never has been. So this is where this form comes in at. When they've given you all the information, but you're still not in agreement that this is your debt. I want to dispute this debt because it's simply not mine. That's a good one. Let them start the process of proving to you even more that this is your debt by simply saying this debt is not mine. Okay, I do not think that you are the correct person to pay. They give you a host of reasons here that you can check off to fill out this form and then send it back to whoever you need to send it out to. Okay, because you're willing, you're disputing the credit. Now, what else? After that, we moved on to the credit report dispute. We move on to the tips for negotiating with debt collectors. Right? There we go. You try to negotiate that lump sum payment. We talked about that a little while ago, okay? That's the main, that's what you do. And they're always willing to do that, okay? Try to bring it as low as possible. Stick to it. And if you're not happy with the answers that you're getting on that phone call, hang up. Not on them. Not so rude, okay? I'm saying, okay, I'm not able to make any arrangement today. We'll have, I'll have to call back. You can call right back and get a different person. Wait two, three days and call again. You never know who you're going to fall upon, who's going to be able to work with you. And that's what you're trying. Sometimes the person you speak with, the very first person, is not in a position to really work out a deal with you. Okay? So you can keep doing this for a little while until you fall, fall upon the right individual who's going to help you with the numbers that you want. Okay? Try to negotiate that lump sum. I said it to you before. You saved that best offer for last. Do not lead with it. Do not throw it out after the first. Wait and wait and wait and see if they are not going to offer you that amount. And if not, then you say what your best offer is and hopefully they'll take it. If not, you start again. Okay. You, you work out that payment plan if that's what needs to happen. Don't let them scare you into thinking that this has to be done today. You have only two weeks. You have a month. We, we don't clear this debt in the, next, in the next three weeks, in a month, this is what's going to happen. Do not let them scare you into thinking that this is how you have to handle it, okay? It has been on their shelf, on their, you know, on their desk for a few weeks, a couple of months maybe. It could stay there a few weeks longer while you figure out what's going to be best for you and your family and your budget. So don't let them use that tactic to scare you. I showed you the form that you use when you want to clean up your credit. Okay, this is just one of them. There are so many different things that you can find on your own to do these things. But this is just an intro to all the things that you have access to that can help you figure out how to win this game. So you clean up your credit. You know you, you can get that credit report, freecreditreport.com. You have access to all three creditors, 
okay, once a year where you don't have to pay for it. That's why that free credit report is in the free is in the uh, is in the link because you're not paying for it. As long as you do it every year, you don't do it more than once a year, and you can receive the credit report and all the debts that is on your shoulders, and then you can go to work from there. Keep everything that comes to you. I know we are living in an age right now where, you know, paper is becoming, you know, everything is on a computer. However you do it, scan the pages, upload them, get rid of the paper. It's fine. But keep an, keep a record of everything that you're doing, any discussion that you've had with anyone. And don't ever forget your rights in all of it. Know exactly when they're stepping the line crossing that line and what the form is that you need to fill out to put in in a complaint because they have rules themselves that they must follow. Do not let them bully you. They're not there for that. Okay. So that's the tips for negotiating with debt collectors. And let's continue because there's a little bit more for the tips with the negotiations that comes with the territory. Okay. It's not ending here. I know there's one more slide that I want to share with you concerning, you know, how to really, 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 really work with this negotiating these debt collectors. Debt collectors are not always completely heartless. You know, you have to ask to speak with a supervisor if you none of the, what you're doing is working. If none of it is working, if you are not getting anywhere with the debt collectors, if you are still stuck at the same place as you started before, ask someone to speak with your supervisor. Ask them. I need to speak with them. I do not want to continue this conversation because we're not getting anywhere. You have control over everything that you do, okay? Do not let them bully you. You control this game. But if you don't learn how to control your debts, if you don't learn how to manage these collectors, you are not going to go beyond your 50, the 20-yard line, the 30-yard line. You're going to be stuck at the midline. You're not even going to come close to that, to that championship line. You have to make sure you, can, you, you regulate everything that comes to you, okay, with a plan. The plan has to be consistent. You are the one in control of it. You cannot let anyone else tell you differently. And once you've done that, then now you will be in a position to start truly saving your money. You will be in a position to start moving your funds into bigger and better accounts. But as long as the debt collector continues to hold on to your ankles because you are not letting, you are not winning this game by doing what your role is, they're going to win. And that's how most of us lose the game, okay? We don't lose the game any other way, but we've acquired too much debt and we haven't figured out how to best navigate them how to deal with these collectors, how to make sure they eliminate the debts that we owe that, are not, that is not ours, that are still being listed under our social security numbers. Do not ever give that number out, okay? They don't need it. They should already have that information on their forms that they have. That information is not for you to give out. If they have your debt, they have your social security number. If they have your debt, they have your address. If they have your debt, they might even have your account number. So do not give them any of that information until you are ready to do that. And that's because you've accepted responsibility for the debt and you need to eliminate it. Because if you don't, that player is not going away. You're going to keep dragging that player all across the field with you. Okay? And it's just going to get more and more expensive. It's just going to get, it's going to weaken you. It's going to make you less and less you know, strong as you begin to drag him across that field. So it's not worth hold, having him hold on to you for the length of the field. Figure out where to let go of it and get rid of him, okay? So those are the tips for, for negotiating with debt collectors, okay? There's no big uh, mystery to it. You either owe or you don't. If you owe, what are the information that you they need to have? And are they legit? Let me have the names and numbers. Let me have the addresses. Let me have all that information. And then you decide, am I going to tackle it by, by eliminating 
the one with the highest interest rate, or am I going to tackle it by eliminating the one that's least expensive to me on a, on a monthly basis? Because that's what my budget can afford. It comes down to you determining what your budget can afford. Now, everything else we're going to learn about the money game and how the money is played is going to be mostly other players on the team, like your accountant, like your banker, your investment advisor, your PNC guy, your attorney, your life insurance agent, okay? So these are the individuals, retirement agent, who are everything from this point on mostly is going to be other players on your team responsible for it. But this is your responsibility. Eliminating debt is your responsibility. Creating a budget that you can follow is your responsibility. Bringing in income into your household, that's your responsibility, okay? And if you don't master these, you're not going to be able to make sure to delegate everyone else on the team what they need to do with your money. It starts with you having control over your debts. It starts with you creating a budget that you can live with. It starts with you minimizing those expenses, okay? It starts with you paying yourself first when it comes to who's getting a piece of my money. Once you tally up the income, who am I paying first? Me, Mr. Sprint, Mrs. T-Mobile, you name it. Who are you collecting, okay? So now, here we go. Protect your assets from judgments. Now, if you find that you have allowed for them to bring up uh, a debt that you owed and they have issued a judgment against you, which is why once you realize that you owe something, you jump on it. You start talking to them, creating a dialogue because you do not want it to go to judgment because once it does, you've lost a lot of leeway to negotiate, okay? Unless you can actually prove that this debt is really not yours, okay? They may not have been sending the, the, the letters to your, you might, you might have moved, but if it has gone into judgment and it is yours, show up, okay? Do not just pass that letter to the side and say, I'm not gonna deal with it. Show up that day. Show up, show up, and show up. Know as well what you can, what they can exempt you from, what they can put a judgment on, because once the judge has you in their sight and the creditor has the information to prove that this is your debt and they show that they've attempted to reach out to you, they've been sending letters to your address, and that is the address you live in, you're living at, they will hold you responsible for that, for that account, for that judgment, okay? But there are some things that are exempt under the federal law. So which means they cannot, cannot bring that in. And that is public assistance benefits, okay? Assets exempt under federal law, okay? Student loan proceeds, they cannot access the student loan proceeds. Social security, if that's what you're receiving, and social uh, and SSI benefits, they cannot access those. Okay, they cannot go into your account and seize any of that. A lot of times they do try, and depending on what it is, they they have access to it. Now those are the those are the accounts that are exempt under federal law. Now look to the right; you'll see assets exempt under state law. Okay, the equity in your home up to a certain limit. Okay, you have to verify that by your state. Okay, they are exempt under state law. Pensions and retirement benefits, they cannot seize those accounts. Okay, under state law. Household goods, your TV, your furniture, etc. For the most, those are not items that they, uh, they, they can exempt, they are, that are exempt. They cannot access this. They cannot take it from you. Your insurance benefits is another one. Tools of the trade, if you are a specific, if you own a particular business and this is the tools that you use for your business, they cannot take those from you because that's a way for you to make a living. And they have to at least give you the opportunity to do that. Alimony and child support, workers' compensation, unemployment compensation, all of these are things that they can that are exempt 
from judgments. Okay. Look at that list, identify them. Okay. Which ones are fall under federal, which ones fall under state. You should always verify based on the state you live in, which ones actually does uh, play fall into the category and which one does not. You have to verify that is the game that you're playing and that belongs on you. Now, I believe the next protect your assets from judgments. There might even be one last slide, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, feel secure. Oh, no, I think this is it. Make sure. Okay, no, no, no. There it is. Protect your assets from judgment. Protect your bank account. Creditor power. Navigate frozen accounts. Don't commingle funds. What does that mean? Check state laws. Consider alternatives, especially the don't commingle funds. Okay. A lot of us receive certain benefits, like those benefits we said was exempt, okay, social security benefits, and so on and so forth. If you put it all into the same account, okay, then they might be, then you might lose control over it. They're not supposed to take any of those that fall into those exempt accounts. Your social security, your veteran benefits, your compensation, workers' compensation, disabilities, okay. Those are all exempt, but if they all fall under the same bank account, then they are not going to know which portion came from Social Security, which portion was money that you earned outright through your job, through your employment. Okay, so the best thing for you to do is to do not mingle those funds. How difficult is that? That is extremely difficult because most of us usually have one bank account. Okay, and that's where everything goes. But if you are aware of certain debts that you have not handled and you are receiving certain accounts, certain funds that are exempt from judgment, then do your best to create two separate accounts, okay? Leave them separate so that if they ever seize control of the account, okay, you're not left with trying to figure out, trying to argue, trying to show them that they, they, they took funds of, from an account that should have been exempt. Because that's a headache you don't need, okay? Because that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to prove to them that they actually access some of your funds that should have been exempt. And now you have to show, you know, that it was actually exempt funds, okay? So avoid that by not commingling those funds, okay? Make sure wage garnishments are within legal limits. Now, a lot of us don't even recognize how much our judgments can be when they start garnishing our paychecks until we see that, that number when we see it. But there is a little bit of information that you need to know, okay? It says it here. If you make less than $217.50 weekly, up to $290 weekly, more than $290 weekly, federal minimum wage. What is that? You cannot be, you cannot be garnished more than $290 weekly if you make less than $217, okay? You cannot, okay? You have to know the limits of what it is that you that they can take because they will take more than they need to. And as soon as they do, you go in, okay? Less than $217 to $290, they can't even exempt, they can't even take anything from your account. Okay, don't let them start taking $50 a month or $50 a week because you you believe that they have every responsibility, they have the right to do that. If you're making less than $217.50, they cannot take a penny from you. Okay, if they're making more, if you're making more to than $290, $290, they can take up to $72.50. Okay, if you're making more than that, they can take as much as $72.50, okay? And if it's way beyond the minimum, federal minimum wage, if you're making a whole lot more than $217 and $290, $500, they can take up to 25% of your weekly earnings, okay? They cannot take more than that. You have to know where you fall. Less than most of us, a lot of us are making less than $290 a week, which means you should never get garnished. Your checks should never be garnished. But they will try. Know your rights. Zero, up to $72, up to 25%. Consult a professional if you have to. 
Do not just leave it to chance. Do not just say, I know exactly. I know, I guess they're doing it because, you know, I guess they have every right to do it because they're doing it. They will test you. They will see if you're playing the game based on the rules. Okay. There are cheaters everywhere. So they might be falling into that category. You will label them as cheats because they should know better, but they're making sure that you know better. They're making sure that you have an understanding of what they can do and can't do. Okay. And once they've done it, it becomes very difficult for you to change, to go backwards, okay, to get them to return that money once they've taken it. And so you avoid that at all costs, okay? So that's where garnishments come in at. Don't believe the hype. You're not always liable to have your check garnished if you don't make enough money, okay? So this form will be here for you to review, to look at those numbers, those websites, those links that was given at the beginning of the, um, the presentation, you should always review them, jot them down, keep them close by so that you know exactly who to reach out to when the time comes, okay? Don't believe the hype, okay? They cannot take everything from you because you owe. And that's the biggest lie that most, of, most people believe is that you are powerless, okay? You do not have... The, the the you know you do not have the the rights to certain things okay you do not have the right to fight for your accounts for your money you do all right but if you listen to them they'll tell you you don't and that's not the case okay so now we've gone through the different things that you need to do okay keep track of them okay make sure that you don't mingle your funds if you are find certain debts are yours start negotiating don't let it get into judgments because then you lose control of everything. They are in control if that happens. The state law will determine exactly how things are done. Okay, so do not go based on someone who's telling you what they went through and they live in a different state from you because you could be going on some bad information, thinking that you have a right way down a path just to find out when it's too late that it didn't apply to you because you were referring to some other state and not the one you live in. Okay, there are always things that you can do, but letting them win is not one of them. Okay, play the game like you can, like that, like the player that I know you are, because we all have been playing this money game for a very long time. Okay, and it's going to be we're going to continue to play it, but we're not going to win if we don't know the laws, if we don't know the rules, if we don't know what creditors can do, if we don't know the limits of their attacks. Okay, information is in your hand. You're in control of it all. So if there are any, any, any questions concerning what we discussed today, I'm waiting to see them. If not, Susan says, I'm limited on what I can pay towards my debt. Do I pay? It, uh, it, I, it, it went out quickly. I didn't see the full question. Let me see it again. Do I pay? Uh, do I pay credit cards off before student loans, vice versa, a little at a time, same time, I can't afford full minimum payments. You have to decide how much is the interest on that, on, on, on that uh, student loan? How much is the interest on whatever it is that you're contemplating paying? That's how you determine which one to pay first. It's the how much interest are they charging you for that loan? Because Rule 72 will tell you how much money they're going to make by it doubling against you every so years, okay? So that's how you determine which one, okay? And if that's too much, then you do use the snowball method. That's what we discussed in the beginning, the snowball and the high interest method. If it's too much to tackle the highest amount, the one that you're being charged the most for, then you have to start with where you are. Start with the least amount, okay? And work your way up to that amount and cut back. I always say we have to cut back on the expenses, okay? That's the key to succeeding. We all have a limit. Don't exceed that limit. Cut back on some expenses so that you can free up the money to pay those debts. But that's how you would determine it, okay? List them on paper. See those interest rates. See what the minimum payments are. See how big the bill is. See how long it's going to take if you make these payments to finalize to finally pay. And that's what you're going to help determine what's the best step for you. Okay. 
No, no, there's not one rule for everyone. Everyone has to manage the game themselves based on their own needs and their expectations. Okay. Thanks, Susan, for that question. Is there any more um, concerning Angel? Pay yourself first. I'll pay a little aside for myself, but I'm not paying the minimum on any cost. Okay. Pay yourself first. I read most of that. I would love to see the ending just in case there's an extra thing there. So one more time, let me see it. Or is it better to just pay the cost first? They are all high interest. Absolutely. If they are all high interest credit cards, do the math. 72 divided by what you call high interest credit card rates. If it's 32, if it's 37, if it's 28, if you put in that number under 72 and divide, 72 divided by that number, and you will see how quickly they are going to double the money that you owe them. Okay? So I would suggest that, that you get rid of it as soon as possible, ASAP. Now, pay yourself first is part of the game. You almost have to do them both at the same time. But budget will determine if it's possible. If it's not, which one do I do? Which one do I do? Which one do I do? Get rid of that bill. Because once you do, and if you get rid of it as quickly as possible, that money can start being the money you save. Okay? But you have to almost do them simultaneously if your budget can allow you to do that. Okay? But pay yourself first is the first thing that we have to do before we get into debt. That's why at the time that, that's why we never do pay ourselves first because we never even imagine that we can do that. And by the time we realize it, we already have too much debt and we have to focus on eliminating those debts first. But for those of you who are out there who are just getting started, okay, you're young, you're in your early 20s, you haven't really acquired much debt, start by paying yourself first. And that amount is determined by what you value yourself to be. If you're paying $500 a month rent, you can pay $500 to yourself. If you're paying whatever you determine, that amount is determined by you, how much you think you're worth, you know, versus everybody else who's getting your money from the, from the light bill, the car insurance, the mortgage, the rent, the, the, the subscriptions. They're all getting your money. Where, where do you fit in that picture? Which one, you know, start first. You're the first one. Because before anybody can get money, the money comes to you. So you can determine if you're going to get the first piece of that pie or you're going to let everybody get a piece and then you're going to wait to see what you get. And you know what's going to happen, right? Crumbs. That's what you're going to get if you do it that way. So, yeah, try to do both, okay? Try to do both. That's playing the game well, okay, to succeed, to win. So, Angel, thank you for that, all right? Anyone else have any other questions? Uh, time is up. That's what I'm getting. Time is up. Oh, yes, it is. Listen, everyone, thank you for the time. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about Rule 72. Now, that's how money grows, okay? So we are going to how to double your savings. That's the same rule I just talked about that the creditors use to see how much money they can make off of you. Okay, so we're going to discuss that in a little bit more details and you're going to see exactly how the banks use it for their benefit and how you can start using it for yours. So thanks again, everyone. Have yourself a wonderful rest of the week. Stay safe out there because you hear what's happening. Okay, I want to see you here next week. Same time for the rule 72, how to double your savings. Thanks again, everyone. Okay, here it is. See you next week.